1: If you're interested in keeping your eye health top-notch throughout all of the stages of your life, this is the program to listen to right now. We'll discuss the latest treatments and technologies to help battle vision-related disease, as well as bring you tips and proven methods to keep you seeing well, now and as you age. Here is your host, Dr. Bob Rothbard.
2: Good afternoon. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. Before we start with our guest, a special shout-out the fire department of Rancho Cucamonga. The garage next door to me went up in flames due to a uh, blown up water heater. Totally totaled and they saved my condominium which is right next door. No damage done to it except for the kick down door which they had to get into my place. So thanks a lot to the fire department. Okay for the show today we have another wonderful guest Dr. Valerie Wren. Associate Professor of the School of Optometry at Western University Health Sciences. How are you, Dr. Wren?
0: I'm doing great, and thank you so much, Dr. Bob, for inviting me on the show and um, starting this dialogue and discussion about sports concussions today.
2: Well, I really appreciate you bringing on, Dr. Wren, and I really appreciate you as you're the one who started with uh, giving me contacts to various professors at your school, as guests, as you were the first one whom I contacted when I started uh, with VoiceAmerica.com. So let's get right into it, Dr. Wren. What is a concussion?
0: Well, um, concussion, defined by CDC, it's a bump or jolt to the brain, and that might include um, helmet-to-helmet contact. It might include even the body. Um, moving quickly where the head is rotated. So there are multiple forces that are involved, and if the brain gets jostled, a lot of these patients uh, complain of vision-related symptoms.
2: And how common is it, doctor?
0: Let's say 38 to 40 million kids involved in organized sports. And so um, the focus of what I want to talk about today is uh, geared more towards youth athletics, and so with all these kids involved in hockey, soccer, basketball, football, uh, two to four million of these youngsters um, experience sports-related concussions, and the numbers I would say underreported. Uh, these numbers come from the CDC, and so they receive their numbers from what's reported in the emergency department, and Many of these players, you know, if they if they make it there, are experiencing symptoms and go uh, go in for evaluation. But there are quite a few uh, patients where um, concussion is not recognized on the field, and the patient may not necessarily be pulled from play. And therefore, there's a there's probably a great deal more of our youngsters where we're not capturing uh, these injuries. And um, as a health care provider, as a, a public health issue, it's important to really get the word out about keeping keeping these players safe.
2: And, Doctor, uh, what are the short-term and long-term effects of concussion? And what is the timeline, and what should one expect?
0: Well, when when there's a... When the brain is subject to linear and rotational forces, um, there's a multitude or a cascade of things that happen um, that include uh, stretching of the axons. So uh, these are our our neuro, like fiber optics connecting um, all the different uh, areas of the brain and our our neuronal um, connections um, become damaged. And when there's shearing and stretching of these axons, axons, the uh, signal uh, for the brain to function is lessened. Uh, what we are learning more about now is the metabolic imbalance that ensues. So at a cellular level, there's an en- energy crisis. And these players once concussed, um, there's a metabolic imbalance and a reduction in cerebral blood flow. And during that time, uh, the patient uh, can experience symptoms, and if they're not removed from play, the, these players can be, if they return to play, they can be subject to a second impact, and 50% of those cases can be fatal. <clears throat> Your question as far as the short-term and long-term effects of concussion, sometimes the symptoms that the patient um, has are not necessarily uh, linear in correlation with um, normalization of the brain's metabolism.
2: I would Could say the de- most... Could you define that, Doctor, linear with uh, that last sentence, yeah. the linear so of...
0: Sometimes patients start feeling better, but yet their ion um, imbalance is still there, so they may not necessarily have achieved uh, metabolic homeostasis within the brain. And although the patient may be feeling um, symptom-free, they may then go ahead and return to the field uh, prematurely. And that's something we want to avoid because if concussed again, some of the symptoms can be even more prolonged or, or long-lasting. Um, I would say that for a majority of players recovery of symptoms might be two to three weeks. But for some players that have, let's say, a long history of previous concussions um, in, their, in their sport, a lot of these um, players are involved in a multitude of sports. They may have a prolonged um, duration of recovery. It can be months. And for some patients... Years Um, as a clinician and you know advocate for for patients, um, my concern would be the the resulting loss in like school days and how that would affect uh, youngsters' academic performance Um, and the the amount of force depends on the sport. So the greater the force, the greater the impact, the greater the imbalance, and perhaps the greater or longer, rather, the recovery. Um, but in general, two to three weeks, most of these patients, um, most of these players, rather, um, resolve their symptoms. I've seen uh, players where, you know, when you probe further, you ask more about their History of previous concussions. Sometimes these players know, you know, I've had you know five concussions in the past, two, you know, loss of consciousness. But if there is a history of, of previous concussions, there can be an accumulation of what we call now sub sub-con- subconcussive hits that can result in a more profound, more prolonged um, effect and symptoms, and for a young person involved in an impact sport, that may have long-term uh, impact on that player's uh, future and, and lives. Um, and the younger patients tend to bounce back uh, more quickly, tend to be more uh, neuroplastic. But also <clears throat> some of our, our younger players, let's say six, seven eight-year-old, you know, that are uh, playing football, they may not necessarily be able to report what they're feeling. So a common symptom would be a headache. And even when, you know, you and I, Dr. Bob, when we do our eye exams and, you know, we're examining a, a youngster and we'll say to them, you know, do you, ever, do you ever get headaches? And sometimes they look back and they don't know what we're talking about. Um, so with our younger population, they may not always necessarily be able to verbalize the symptoms that they, that they have, um, as well as an adult would. So as a cl- clinician, uh, one of the challenges is really getting to, you know, uh, more sensitivity with asking about the symptoms as a parent, the, you know, you can imagine a parent being concerned about their son or daughter on the field and, um, you know, they may overreact or they may underreact. And so parents oftentimes become confused, um, if their child is involved in an in- injury and, um, maybe not necessarily know what, what the next step should be. And that's kind of what I wanted to share on today's show is to um, spread the word about, um, well, what should really happen um, if your child gets injured on the field and what what would the next steps be? Uh, we're starting to see. Um, so my, my area of um, interest and in, um, most of the patients I see are, um, At the Eye Care Center at Western University, I also see and treat patients at Casa Colina, which is a rehabilitation hospital in Southern California. And um, a lot of the a lot of the um, patients that uh, come in with symptoms, they many of the symptoms after their Bruises and you know they've received bruises have healed, they've received medical clearance. A lot of these patients have lingering vision related symptoms. Um, I'd like to share what those are um, because um, some of these some of these youngsters are trying to you know get back to school and um, do their academic program and be successful at it, and many of these players are you know, high achievers. But if they experience symptoms like difficulty focusing, blurry vision, sometimes they can't look at a page for more than 5, 10 minutes without getting a headache. These patients sometimes have double vision. They may complain of pain on one side of um, their head or face or eye or discomfort between their eyes, um, whereas the patient may be, you know, an A-plus student um, no issues before, now um, has to reread several times to even, you know, garner um, some understanding from the page. And so oftentimes there can be vision issues. Um, busyness is very common, um, taking a longer time to complete a reading assignment, and all the more difficult if you're experiencing a sensitivity to light, Um Migraine headaches, uh, trouble with depth perception. So those I would say are the common uh, lingering vision symptoms that I see um, in my clinic as a neurooptometrist. And uh, those are the things that uh, we look for and we're able to, to, to help a lot of these patients regain uh, their function. And I'm sure you've seen, Dr. Bob, some of these similar types of cases in, in your office.
2: Oh yes and you know you, I don't know if they're actually due to concussion we get a lot of individuals who as kids and they could see 2020 20, but they can't sustain reading they get headaches some of them will start to get as you say motion sickness but more so And you ask them in the back seat of a car as compared to the front seat and with young adults when they drive they're better because they have the hand stim uh, backing up the tactile backing up the vision but a lot of these it can get confusing because you don't know whether they had these already or as a result of a sports-related injury. But we're going to come back, Dr. Wren. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the TheVoiceAmerica.com. We'll be back.
3: Looking for exciting video content, live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now.
1: If you are in Southern California, visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at Ranchoidoctor.com There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local Chambers of Commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoEyeDoctor.com or if you're in Southern California, call us at 909-980-3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909-980-3535
4: or RanchoIdoctor.com. How is your health?
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: You are listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or you can send an email to ranchooptometric at verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio.
2: Okay, you're back with Dr. Bob. My guest is Dr. Valerie Wren. And, Doctor, uh, one of the thoughts that came to my mind during the break was uh, soccer between heading the ball and also head-to-head encounters how much do you find that this can lead to concussions uh, for all ages, for that matter, for the young and for the older uh, youngster?
0: Well, the most reported childhood concussions, looking at all the different sports for boys is football, American football. And for girls, it's soccer. And with soccer, that was, that was big in the news last year, there was a uh, uh, a Nightline a segment by Peter Jen- Jennings that had gone over uh, uh, girls and women's soccer is big with concussion. And two times more girls and boys suffer concussion with soccer. Um, other sports, second on the list is wrestling for boys and basketball for girls. Uh, for me, clinically, um, I'm seeing a lot of... Uh, Soccer injuries, definitely. Um, most, I would say, most of the evaluations that I've done are, are soccer-related, volleyball, uh, some baseball. And also, uh, the most severe injuries that I've seen, um, more so at the hospital uh, for subacute care and rehabilitation, are bike-related injuries. Mountain bike, uh, road bike, uh, bike-related injuries um, have uh, some significant um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, damage to to the eyes and the brain. And how safe or
2: obviously a helmet will tremendously reduce the uh, risk of a concussion with a crash Uh, while bike riding or do you still see concussions with individuals who are actually wearing a helmet?
0: I would say the rider is going to fare a lot better if they have a helmet Um, The helmet um, protects the skull from fracture, but the helmet does not protect the brain from damage and injury. The brain is still still subject to uh, linear forces. There's a coup, contra coup, um, Mm -hmm. where the brain um, hits forward and then there's a a whiplash or uh, backward motion of the brain within the skull. So the mm-hmm. helmet can help protect the skull from fracture, but the brain is still subject to linear and rotational forces that can cause significant um, diffuse axonal injury is one of the common terms when talking about uh, traumatic brain injury. I've evaluated a multitude of patients with and without helmets. Um, one of the patients, he was... Uh, Mid-20s, he was out for just a, you know, recreation, and um, he wasn't wearing his glasses. He was, you know, at a moderate amount of nearsightedness or myopia, so he didn't see that well, and <laughs> um, the front wheel, and it was at night, um, the front wheel had, had gone into a ditch. Obviously, he didn't see it, and um, he was catapulted forward, and he told me he was on a, on a fixed-gear bike. So um, I think his feet were like locked in or he couldn't change the ears. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he went flying forward is hit his head to cement and he suffered, um, he had multiple subarachnoid hemorrhages, but he also had damage and trauma to his optic nerve and he's missing, I would say, 50% of his peripheral vision in one of his eyes um, because of it, it's permanent, um, but he did not fare as well. But then in comparison I've seen other patients where they were wearing a helmet and during the fall they fell just just so where the strap from the helmet caused a carotid artery dissection and you know, some wow. of these patients are not really walking and, 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 and talking. These patients lives and family lives are completely changed. Um, you know, from, from these injuries. And so helmet, I mean, I, I would say helmet definitely, every state differs as far as helmet laws. Um, <clears throat> in California, I think it's 14 and under, you have to wear a helmet. In other states, the, you know, the age the, age is, the age is different uh, depending on the state that, that you live in. Uh, but I would say the helmet protects you from Fracture, but not necessarily from brain injury. In the NFL, there are new um, kind of accelerometers that are embedded within the helmets, where it tracks and quantifies the number of hits, the amount of forces, the direction of the force uh, within different sensors within the helmet, and that can be mm-hmm. downloaded and tracked, you know, for the player over the course of a season. Um, we we know we've heard a lot about the NFL and settling for hundreds of millions of dollars for these uh, retired football players that you know have suffered effects from repeated hits. But what about for our youth? Our youth don't necessarily have access to um, these technologies necessarily. You know, fairly expensive. I think the helmets are you know two thousand uh, dollars per helmet. So, let let alone you know, for you know, a a youth team to get these, and then what to do with the information. But I think it's revolutionary, and the fact that um, everyone is recognizing the the presence of 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 brain potential uh, brain injury from concussion, and it's not necessarily um, you know these injuries. You can't just bring over the Gatorade and sport drink, and everything is all better. Um, these are serious injuries that um, can be life changing for 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 people.
2: Oh God! You know, uh, it's almost like a smart helmet. Uh, but, Doctor, uh, could these type of injuries be picked up by neuroimaging?
0: Um, typically, typically there are there are certain instruments and tools that the coach and athletic trainers will render sideline. To determine concussion or no concussion. If they determine yes, con- concussion is possible, they'll pull the player. But then what happens? But then what happens next? Um, these pay- players sometimes um, go to the emergency department. Um, typical protocol where patient comes to the emergency department complaining of um, blurry vision, headaches, nausea, vomiting. They're going to get a CAT scan, and that CAT scan is going to be driven to rule out uh, determine if there's uh, intracranial hemorrhage present or not. And if there is not a if there's not bleeding in the brain, it doesn't necessarily have the fine resolution to detect diffuse axonal injury, um, especially with our mild traumatic brain injuries. Um, there are newer types Advanced imaging tools like PET scans, which is a positron emission test, and these scans can um, pick up functional changes. Um, a meg scan, which is a magnetoencephalography, um, these scans can can perhaps um, give that resolution or change in function from these types of brain injuries. However, they're not they're not typical. Part of the protocol um, in the emergency department, and not every center um, has these scans. Um, there are; um, it's an area of research, and um, <clears throat> and so the answer is yes. There is there are tests that can detect, um, but those are not necessarily ones that are routinely done. Some of these players never uh, make it to the emergency department. I had a friend who asked, um, said that you know my. Son was um, playing tackle football, and he was on the field. He had uh, helmet-to-helmet contact, was complaining of, he- of headache, and he was removed from play. And so I said, well, well so where, where is he now? And uh, apparently he was going home. And I said, well, you know, he should really bring him in for an evaluation. And thankfully everything uh, was negative, but the athletic trainer did not tell the uh, parent. Uh, what to do next or whether or not, you know, there should be an evaluation done. Um, in California, we have certain, um, uh, laws in place, you know, thanks to our governor, Jerry Brown, where the trainers need, at least high school, high school coaches need to have training on one to pull the player, um, from, uh, from the field. And also that they need to stay out of the game for at least 24 hours, and they need clearance by the healthcare provider. So this parent had, you know, didn't know. Well, do I need to, you know, bring, you know, my, you know, son for an evaluation? Do I need to? Uh, what are the next steps? Um, if a player is pulled from play here in California, they need to get medical clearance. And we've had, and I always look out. You know, I want to keep the players safe from themselves too. We had a volleyball player come in, and she said, well, I'm going to be in the game tonight, and I need your medical clearance. And I really want to play tonight. I'm fine. I don't have any symptoms. And so we have some players that are just so dedicated to their sport. And, um, you know, that's another kind of challenge that we have, you know, in in keeping the players safe. Um, but there, there should be more, and I think there's a big push for more education for parents and coaches, athletic trainers, educators, um, to be able to recognize the signs and symptoms of concussion and then to follow through with the next steps. Every state has its own mandates as far as when to report, what to report, whether or not they need to be evaluated, whether or not um, there has to be accommodations in place for you know for school or for other things, but every state now, as of uh, as of last year, has has concussion laws in place. Um, all 50 states. In comparison to 2011, I think there were only 20 states. So this is moved wow. forward. Pretty quickly. Uh, I kind of wonder
2: if it was due to the NFL and all the publicity they were getting with uh, head injuries and so forth with this uh, and the sequelae that occurred with the ex-players uh, who were in his 60s and 70s having so much problem with it. Doctor, when we come back after the break, I really want to go into how you can help yourself and other optometrists can help with these type of symptoms, what we're able to do, what we're able to measure, and I think it can... Lead to a great discussion. Okay, you're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. We'll be back after the break.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: Do you or does somebody you know face an ongoing battle with addiction? Our nation's drug problem is getting worse as we spend billions on the judicial system. It's time to fight the demand for drugs and not the supply. Listen for I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jensen, who has experienced both IV heroin addiction and recovery and is now here to both help and educate you with his story and engaging guests. There are great resources available for recovery, and there is hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you are in Southern California, visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at Ranchoidoctor.com. There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local Chambers of Commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoIdoctor.com or if you're in Southern California, call us at 909-980-3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909-980-3535 or RanchoIdoctor.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to one 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or you can send an email to Rancho Optometric at Verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio.
2: Okay, we're back. We're with Associate Professor Dr. Valerie Wren, and we're talking about concussions. And now the second part of this show, which is really, I'm gonna learn a lot, also, as well as the audience. How can you help as an optometrist uh, detecting and also treating, or in our case, training these patients to improve some of the problems that they have as a result of these concussions?
0: I'd be more than happy to, to answer um, those questions. Um, but Perfect. I would first like to start out by describing uh, what a primary care exam um, would include, and that can be uh, done by opto- uh, your optometrist or ophthalmologist. Um, that's going to be driven to help the person's clarity of vision and perhaps um, optimizing vision with lenses or contact lenses, maybe even LASIK. Uh, usually there's an eye-teaming evaluation looking at binocular vision and also uh, to address ocular health issues like dry eyes, uh, glaucoma, cataracts, and maybe other problems related to systemic health like diabetes. And also, optometry has a multitude of subspe- subspecialties. Um, in the rehabilitation subspecialties, we're talking about vision therapy, low vision, and neurooptometry, my area. So, one of the questions I get all the time is, you know, what is neurooptometry? And how is that different from neuro-ophthalmology? Um, and, of course, I'm not surprised by this question. Um, there's a lot of overlap between um, the two uh, disciplines. Um, I certainly don't do surgical procedures, and I refer patients that need surgery. Uh, my goal is to come up with solutions for these patients to regain their visual lives. And I would say my focus is on addressing uh, the visual system as it relates to the patient's neurologic diagnosis, whether it be concussion, stroke, hemorrhage, tumor, you know, multiple sclerosis, uh, what have you. And ultimately to enhance the patient's visual skills for school and the workplace. So quality of life is, is you know, hopefully impacted in a, in a positive way. Um, treatment, as far as treatment, um, we might recommend therapy, we may use uh, lenses or prisms, sometimes uh, tinted lenses are, are helpful, a surgical co-management um, is considered, um, and also referrals. So I look at the person as a whole person, and if there's an area of need, I may also refer to a neurologist, a physiatrist, or the physical therapist or occupational therapist, We recently evaluated a patient who was experiencing ringing in her ears and hearing loss, so we sent her over to an ENT. Uh, But my evaluation in answer to your question is what you know. What what do I do in the evaluation? Um, Of course, a detailed history, probing into previous concussion history. Um, I always want to know about you know what other medications the patient is taking, other rehabilitation the patient is doing. I'll do a thorough uh, vision assessment. I'll also look at how the eyes are working together. Sometimes there's a um, small misalignment of the eyes. Uh, We look at depth perception, peripheral vision, or the patient's side vision, color vision. Um, We also perform timed eye movement tests, so whether the patient um, read and track um, and do rapid uh, number recalling. We do visual processing um, assessment. We look at the patient's ocular health. We also look at balance and gait which is important if the patient has um, dizziness and potential vestibular issues. And after, you know, so that's what's different um, compared to a primary care exam is it's definitely more detailed. It's not um, um, usually I would say at least an hour and a half um, is the evaluation. And from there, we come up with a prognosis and potential for um lens treatment option or rehabilitation or perhaps even something else. A lot of what I do for treatment is uh based on based on what's published in the literature. And so one of the landmark papers that I always reference it was published by uh Nera Kapoor and Ken Kufrida out of the Head Trauma Group uh back at the State University of New York it's a Head Trauma Unit. Um it was published in the current treatment options in neurology. And it covers um, different treatment protocols, and that's kind of kind of what I what I go by. And um, there are um, similar peers where you know we are also advising the military. Uh, many of our military um, that are um, injured on the field and you know return from their tours of duty, experiencing a lot of these same symptoms, and these same kind of treatment protocols are being taught to uh, military optometrists to help some of these patients as well regain their function. And for me, it's so rewarding um, to see patients graduate from therapy. And we recently graduated um, a young baseball player, um, early 20s. Um, He's in college. Uh, He's had five or six concussions, two with loss of consciousness. He's had... um, uh, frontal uh, bone fracture. He's had, you know, a titanium plate uh, put in. And when he first came to us, he, you know, he could only listen to his lectures. He couldn't actually read or see well or comfortably. It just gave him a massive uh, migraine and headache well within five to ten minutes. And um, he was dedicated to um, regaining some of those visual skills that changed after um, his more recent. Concussion. So oftentimes, the the treatment involves um, the patient coming in and relearning some of the basic skills um, uh, in regards to um, eye teaming, binocular vision. Sometimes we'll use a tabletop or paper-based tasks. We have computer-based programs. Um, there are also um, some screen monitors that we have here. Over at, at the hospital, we have um, a much larger monitor where there's like uh, different push buttons and really tracks um, your timing. Uh, <clears throat> there's a we-based system, and so we will utilize technology and also uh, borrow from, you know, traditional vision therapy techniques in order for the patient to regain function. And so what am I talking about as far as these basic functions? If you've ever been around a newborn, and if you look at their eye movements, their eyes are not well coordinated. And so that's what I'm talking about is we're regaining just the brain's control of what the eyes are doing. We're not making the muscle stronger. We're um, reteaching the patient to use cortical control, a brain's control in a top-down approach to affect a more efficient eye movement and to achieve more comfortable vision so that they can get back to doing doing what they do, um, one of the things I see also um, after a patient has you know recent you know brain tumor after surgery and they have double vision is these patients get patched so they wear a black pirate patch over over one eye, and uh, you know i I can see that being necessary because you know they how can they do anything if they see double vision? And so some Mm -hmm. of these patients where one eye is pointing to one direction and the other a different direction, um, sometimes that eye is patched. And so I like to wean them off these patches and start to get them to use their eyes together. Sometimes surgery is involved if the angle or magnitude is just too great. Um, And as the saying goes, use it or lose it um, if if one, if let's say someone has had a stroke and they've lost use of one side of their body, they're um, what happens next? The physical therapist and occupational therapist jump right in to get that patient moving to help them regain sensory motor control. Um, and so if you wouldn't go in and, and cast that side um, and immobilize that side. So same thing with the eyes. You know, you, you, if, if, the brain is um, spared from stimulation from that one eye. Over time, the brain will turn it off; it will suppress or shut off use of that eye. And so, for our for our young patients, you know, I'd rather a patient go go through their lives in a binocular sense, if if possible. And so, oftentimes, um, we'll do rehabilitation for these patients to help them enhance their basic eye movements, binocularity, fusion, and they'll be able to see their world in a 3D sense, have better depth perception, also be able to function as they, as they normally have. If you, you know, if you walk around and cover one eye, the world looks a lot different than if you're using both eyes. And so I always feel that uh, rehabilitation, um, certainly for these patients, is really part of best practices And should be offered when when appropriate.
2: Absolutely. Uh, There are some individuals in sports and I'm thinking of basketball in one and where you can tell the eyes aren't aligned and this isn't necessarily from a concussion or an injury and this individual had a lot of trouble throwing free throws and I never heard it brought out that this uh, person's eyes weren't straight except by a few individuals. So the ability to develop binocular or alignment of the eyes is so critical in sports, Dr. Wren, and I see it with my patients itself. And one of the things that's interesting also is when there is an injury, sometimes do you give it enough time to heal on its own. Uh, I've seen where a person that has been in a car accident. This was a stepson, my stepson, and developed an, an for the common term walleye, the eye would go be way out after the uh, accident. And with time, the angle started getting less and less and less. Of course, they were dealing with an optometrist who specialized in an area, and this is in Texas, to start reducing what was called the prism to keep the double vision down. So what you're doing is correct. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes to finish up with Dr. Wren. And uh, thanks so much. This is so interesting. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the voiceamerica.com. Help network.
4: How many times have you heard this?
3: I'm sick and tired of feeling
1: sick and tired. You are what you eat.
4: I've tried every diet. Diets don't work. It's time to stop this kind of madness and start thinking and feeling empowered to change your health. Tune in to The Raw Truth with Chef Sharon Fraser. Join us weekly for thought-provoking conversations with world-renowned experts in the food, medical, holistic, sports medicine, chiropractic, and naturopathic health sciences. The Raw Truth airs live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. If you are in Southern California,
1: visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at Ranchoidoctor.com There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local Chambers of Commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoIdoctor.com. Or if you are in Southern California, call us at 909 980 3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909 980
3: 3535. Or RanchoIdoctor.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24 7.
1: You're listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or you can send an email to Optometric at verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio. We're back with
2: neuro-optometrist Dr. Val Renz. Uh, Dr. Wren, what should a parent be concerned about when their child is involved in team sports?
0: Oh, Thank you for the question. Um, there are a lot of things a parent should be aware of and concerned about um, when deciding and helping the, you know, obviously you want the child to feel like they're deciding uh, what sport they're going into. Um, the type of sport, uh, there are different risk factors. Um, the impact is certainly greater for a sport like football, hockey, and lacrosse, um, as these uh, youngsters um, grow and get bigger, the amount of impact and forces is greater. So for college-level sports, much greater forces than for youth. Um, but sports have changed over time. Uh, pee-wee hockey is, not as, is much more aggressive and, and more contact than, um, than ever has been. And um, for, our, for our kids... Um, I like to call them bobbleheads because they have um, maybe a weaker torso, and um, their 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 head to body ratio is greater. And sometimes, as a parent, and you're purchasing equipment to protect your child, um, as your child is growing um, exponentially, sometimes the equipment is too big, sometimes it's too small. So the equipment needs to be checked regularly. And as I said before, helmets are to prevent fracture, not to pre- prevent injury so proper equipment is very important for those who have a youngster in in soccer, did you know that seventy five percent of those hits happen during practice or during scrimmage play and not necessarily uh, during the you know the weekend game um, and so even headbutting the ball and there's a accumulation of effects from these sub-concussive events that might be a problem. Um, So forces um, involved for um, female players are rotational. And what I recommend for uh, parents, and this is a a general recommendation, uh, is to have neck strengthening training. So for those long, slender necks. And it helps to counteract some of those rotational forces, which happen more so in females than in males. And I always, you know, usually when you sign your child up for a sport, you sign a contract, you know, regarding behavior and, you know, that you're going to, you know, attend and be present and contribute. Um, but also, the, the the player needs to, the child needs to understand to speak up when they're injured and that it's okay to say something. Sometimes these players, you know, want to be there for their teammates and team sports is, is also not only about the sport, but about, you know, individual development and working on a team and um, there are a lot of uh, benefits from team sports. And some of these youngsters might feel like they're the weakest link if if they say something, and parents should encourage uh, their children to understand what some of those signs and symptoms are and to speak up. And the parents should also ask the coaching staff what tools um, that they use to assess concussion. And there are some tools out there. Uh, recently in the, in the neurology clinical practice, October 2014, there were a multitude of recommended sideline uh, tools that are sensitive to detect concussion The SCAT, which is the Sports Concussion Assessment Tool, is is in its third iteration. It's a sideline tool, but it takes like 30 minutes to render. Um, Impact testing looks at neurocognitive function. And there's also a a, a test called the King-Devick Test, which was authored by um, two optometrists um, who uh, went to the Illinois College of Optometry, and that's... uh, been uh, found to be very sensitive in picking up change in function from concussion, over 90% um, accuracy compared to some of the other tools. So that might be another add- additive um, instrument to use. So I would I would recommend to parents, you know, to ask, you know, what, how, how do you make the decision to determine whether or not concussion is present, and what training has um, has your, you know, has your team. Uh, received to keep the player safe and so to know really what some of those protocols are because if your child has a concussion and they're put back in the game, um, there should be certain things that happen uh, to make sure that that player is uh, safe. Also, I, I don't want to forget to mention um, and I think it's an it's an absolute must see for uh, parents and coaches. Uh, there was an independent documentary. It was called Head Games that was put out in in uh, 2012. And it talks about a football player and uh, pro, pro wrestler Chris Nowinski, and um, he was subject to a multitude of concussions over his um, athletic career, and ultimately. Had uh, significant uh, side effects and symptoms, and so it, it's a it's a riveting um, it's a riveting documentary, and I think that's a must see. There's a, a ton of information also about just in their anatomy. Um, it even goes into uh, chronic traumatic uh, encephalopathy, which uh, which is also big in the news these days, where there's an accumulation of uh, tau protein within these concussed NFL brains that have been um, post mortem dissected and found to be finally the evidence that, you know, concussions do cause uh, brain damage. And so I, I would encourage parents to think about the sport, think about what, you know, what, what would they do to keep their players safe, um, educating their child to verbalize their symptoms. And we, we don't want um, the child to uh, try to beat the test. Uh, there are some, you know, driven high school athletes mm-hmm. where they learn about what the assessment test is and they try to beat it because they want to stay in the game. They want to get the scholarship. They, you know, they don't want to be the weak link. But if they go back in the game and they're experiencing dizziness, um, imbalance, blurry vision, um, they're at risk for getting uh, another injury and, um, and that, 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 that places the, the player at even more grave risk for, for uh, potentially ending their career or having a, a profound change in their life's potential.
2: God, there's so much information here, Doctor, on this, and I know there was other in, uh, information that we wanted, but one of the important things that we have discussed previously, uh, you and I, is the importance of baseline testing. We have about a minute left, and that's it to describe the purpose and utilization of such testing. If you can, real quickly, yeah. because I so, think that's a very important question. So this,
0: the SCAT 3, which I mentioned, and impact testing and the King KingDivik, I mean, you need to have a, a baseline score to compare that individual to versus comparing you to the masses or just in general. So pre-season baseline testing is an absolute must. Um, the coaches can certainly uh, refer to um, where you would go for, for such baseline testing, but the tools are much better when you have comparing the person to the person um, pre- and post-concussion. just gives us a, a better answer whether or not a concussion is uh, really there or not.
2: Okay, Dr. Rand. unfortunately we're up against time. This has been really great. I want to, want to thank you for coming okay. on the show with us. It's been great. We will be discussing glaucoma and macula and retina next week with another professor from Western University, Dr. Panakin Dave. So we're done for this separate, uh, this episode on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the VoiceAmerica.com network. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you for tuning
1: in to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. We'll be back next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.